Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. We finally made it to the south of France, and it's welcomed by everyone in the team. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral. And you can also, of course, log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Dave McKenzie is with me today. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good, but, you know, I'm a, I think about the team. And I've been driving to the finish lines every day. I don't do the starts anymore. You're doing starts and finishes. You're burning the candle. How are you coping? Are you, we're nearly at the rest day. You, are you okay? I'm okay. I'm burning candle and petrol. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, the whole world is burning petrol so and, and killing it at the same time. It's a, but that's a whole different podcast we're going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not open that can of worms, shall we? <laughs> um, I'm good. Great day, great day. Mitchell and Scott, Australian team victory, yes, and we should also pay more tribute to Daryl Impey, a South African win, his first tour stage win, and as Matt White did say to me, it's his biggest victory. Even better, do you think, that him wearing the yellow jersey, because he wore that yellow jersey uh, a few years back, but a stage victory, uh, this is stage nine, by the way, we need to uh, uh, to remind the, the, the listeners, but... Uh, do you think a yellow jersey is more important than a stage win or a stage win more important than a yellow jersey in this case? No. According to Matt White, and I imagine with the team, the stage win is more important. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, just quietly, I think this victory for Mitchelton, even though they're here for general classification ambitions and stage wins are not a priority, Winners are grinners, and I, I think there's more to this win than probably what people realise. It's, it's an important one. So you met uh, Matt White at the end of the, uh, of the stage. You mentioned, he, uh, let's say, he didn't have a tear in his eyes, but that probably wasn't too far from it. He completely had a tear. He was, he was dribbling, and uh, no, he was, he was emotional, and, and good on him. I mean, he, look, I, I go back a long way with Matt White, and so he wears his heart on his sleeve in, in probably anything he does in life, and you know, being a director sportif has been a big part of his life because let's remind everyone he was with Garmin, the team Garmin, um, which was which is now EF Education before Mitchelton Scott started, and he's been with Mitchelton Scott since the start in 2012, and he's been the head director. So, you know, he would carry that sort of pressure on his shoulders as well. You know, trying to deliver a result, and now I think for the team they're just wrapped. Even though again the focus wasn't a stage win, they've got one. Their tour is a success regardless of what happens and now they can go and enjoy the hunt for the yellow and do it with a bit more. Not that they weren't going to do it with less vigour, but, you know, they're going to be buoyed by this win and, again, you talk about the morale that lifts a whole team, not just the riders, the Swannies and mechanics that work so hard, all of the directors, you know, the gophers that the teams have, it, it means a lot to all of them. And I'm, I'm sure everybody back at the headquarters as well. Oh, totally, totally, you know, and... Jerry Ryan, the owner of the team. Uh, I don't think he's here at the moment. I'm sure he'll turn up soon uh, throughout the race. But, you know, all the people that work under the Jerry Ryan umbrella, Jayco Caravans and Mitchelton and, and the sponsors that are on the jersey, which are predominantly Jerry's, by the way, 
you know, that, it's a huge win. It's a huge win for a lot of people. And we can also mention the girls in the Giro Rosa that are doing extremely well as well. So it's 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 a good moment for Mitchelton Scott. Oh, boom. Kudos to you. Now, well done. And and I wish I'd jumped in first. No, because... And, and again, I, I think we'll say kudos to Matt Keenan and Robbie McEwen because they mentioned the Giro Rosa uh, and Annemiek van Vleuten and, of course, Spratty finishing third uh, during the, the World Feed uh, commentary. And it's a shame, isn't it, that it's on during the Tour de France because it sort of has got some more traction, the Giro Rosa this year. But gee, it's been a it's been a pretty good few days for Mitchell and Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us about Darrell Impey. How is he? You know, he, he he seems to be a fair bloke. He seems to be one of the almost old-fashioned kind of riders in his attitude. Um, he seems to be a good guy. Simply a good guy. Yes. Look, I don't know him really well, but what I have known of him, he is a genuinely good person. Uh, he's a genuinely nice guy, and you know he he he's a he's like a Trojan horse. You know he works super hard for the team, and he, he was a sort of a real super domestique uh, for Mitchell and Scott when he joined the team. If you cast your minds back to the days of Simon Gerrans, who was sort of single-handedly delivering the results, the guy that was there helping him deliver that, the last man in the line, was Daryl Impey. Um, you know, and then he's forged his own path, and so. This, it's really great for him. It's one of those. It'll be a, it'll be a uh, popular win tomorrow in the peloton. He won't. He'll be. He'll be getting pats on the back, not just from Mitchell and Scott riders tonight. He'll be getting pats on the back from riders in the peloton and and journalists, including Michael Matthews, because we know they had a bit, a little bit of a scratch. Do you think Michael Matthews will inverted come and make peace with him and say, "Hey, bro." That was cool. Are you, are you trying to turn in, turn this pod into a tabloid? <laughs> it's already a tabloid, you know. <laughs> you are. That is a good point. Well, that is a really good point. Let's okay. Let's send two. Well, we'll send two cameras to the start line tomorrow, and we'll maybe try and manoeuvre them together. No, look, you'd like to think that. I think bygones are bygones, and I think Michael Matthews is professional enough, and obviously Daryl Impey is. That uh, I am quite sure Michael Matthews would seek him out tomorrow and say, mate, it's a good opportunity for them to sort of make some peace. Absolutely. Okay, let's look at uh, this stage again. It was stage nine for everybody. It was stage eight B for Richie Port. Uh, we don't want to mention that stage nine for Richie Port, but stage eight B for Richie Port, he looked very good. He did look very good, didn't he? And he tested the legs a bit. Uh, Ineos controlled things as as they do so well. And, you know, so it wasn't, there was no disaster that Richie didn't get away, but he thought he'd test the legs. And when we were running up chasing the buses, which were 10 miles away, by the way, today. I, You're not exaggerating at all. 10 miles is 10 miles. <laughs> 16 kilometres, yes, on the dot. <laughs> no. Wish you run in three minutes, but that's okay. <laughs> it was a fair way. But I did have a very quick chat to a, an old uh, rider, a director sportif of Trek Segafredo and someone who I raced against, Steve de Jong. And I didn't chat to him on mic. I couldn't. We were in a rush. But I said, good day. I said, Richie's good. He attacked. And he said, yes, he's feeling good. And we're feeling good for him. I won't go into too much details because it was an off-mic camera and I'm sure he wouldn't want me to spread too much. But I think they are quietly confident that Richie Port is getting back towards his best form. And confident or not, that's a good sign. I mean, even if even if you didn't have that chat, if we what we saw on screen and uh, what we saw in the race, it, it looked good. He did, and he has been. And and just interesting on the point um, when you said we called it stage eight B. Talking to Steve, he said we didn't talk about the stage this morning. We didn't talk about the number it was. And I said, he said we didn't say it was stage nine. I said, well, we called it eight B on our broadcast. <laughs> he got he thought that was hilarious. So I think 
you know, as silly as it sounds and as we were sort of, you know, we've talked about it in the last couple of days, haven't we, the, the whole SBS crew here, it was on their minds. It was, it was totally in the back of Richie's mind and certainly with the team as well. And it's just because it was he has had a bit of a jinx at this race. So the monkey's off the back now. He tested the legs. He had a go. And I think that's really good. And credit where it's due, I believe stage 8B was first mentioned on the hashtag Catch Peloton on Twitter. This is where it's initiating. Yes, you're right. That's right. And so well done to the Catch Peloton. <laughs> we give a clap, clap to you. We love you guys. Uh, it was kind of an easy day for someone like Sagan, as easy as it could be when you go up mountains. Yes, look, I tell you what, one mention I will give, and yes, I know it's a bit of a, it is a biased thing, but I think it's, 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 uh, he's due for it. We missed our domestic of the day yesterday, so you know who I'm going to give it to today? Go on. Simon Clark. Good work. Yeah, and, and, and it works well because we missed yesterday. He did a mountain of work on the front of uh, the Peloton yesterday. Like, guys were dropping off the back like flies while Simon Clark was the one applying the pressure. He came in, he did an interview with me as he crossed the line and I knew he didn't want to. I, I could tell he saw me and was like, wanted to run the other way. And then he backed it up and got in the breakaway today. Okay, things didn't he didn't get the glory, but kudos to you Simon Clark. The last 24 hours, he has shown his stripes well. Super domestic of the day. Uh, stage 9 also finishes in Brioude, and Brioude is the hometown of Romain Bardet. Uh, what did we see from him today? Well, we saw him jump away with Richie Port, didn't we? So it's good to see that he's, he's not going to sit back now. I mean, and okay, he's got the race to lose, but effectively he's already lost the GC. Uh, I'll, cor I'll correct this, he's got the race to win. He's got the, well, he's got nothing to lose and the race to win. So he's already lost everything now, so he can go for it. So it's good. That's what I think we love about Roman Bardet. He's not going to sulk now and sit down the back of the bunch and, you know, throw the toys out of the cot. Do you think in terms of the, the as French as it can be, uh, having so much spotlight yesterday on Alaphilippe and Pinot, frustrates someone at AG2R if not Bardet he's probably in isolation of all this but somewhere in AG2R they probably got a little bit jibbed yesterday oh, you're only human aren't you and absolutely as sponsors as team owner as team manager and then directors it filters down you'd be frustrated you'd be like damn our big hope our big hopes chances are gone meanwhile two Frenchmen Uh, you know, one takes the yellow, one gains time on every other general contender in Thibaut Pinot. So, you know, yeah, absolutely, there'd be, a, there'd be a hint of frustration. You should have seen this morning the scrum around Thibaut Pinot. I was there, I managed to get a couple of quotes for, for our coverage, but uh, the scrum there, that was incredible. And the hype, and you know what, next door to it was Dukenik. And Dukenik quick step had, of course, the yellow jersey, and the scrum was even bigger. And you know what, as a Frenchman, on Bastille Day, it's amazing to see. And I imagine, quite possibly, at uh, AG2R Le Mondial, there was tumbleweeds and crickets. Well, they were close to coffee this. I don't know, I'm not saying nothing, but... <laughs> you're digging, now you're digging it in. You're, you're just, you're, you just jump onto the next wagon that's got moving well. The next French wagon that's going well. Anyway, I'm FDG all the way now. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, on, and on that note, though, I must say, post-stage... Uh, running back through the buses and because Mitchell and Scott's bus was the very very last bus I did run past AG2R Le Mundial and there was a throng of media press there because of his attack with Richie Port so they still love him and it, it's got them excited again so there was a lot of people out there and this was well after the finish it was uh, and you know what 
I saw Bode come in because we were scooting back and he had a smile on his face. So, look, he's in good spirits. Yeah, absolutely. What else can we uh, say about this stage? Is there anything else we can mention? No, look, I think, I think it was always destined for a breakaway to get away and succeed. So, it's a massive win for Mitchell and Scott, obviously. Big win for them and for the teams, for all of the other riders that weren't in the breakaway, it was a chance to sort of just slightly recover somewhat. Um, and now they've got, you know, one stage to go before the rest day. Yeah, okay, let's talk about the next stage, which is then, therefore, stage 10 of the Tour de France. We are starting in Saint-Flour. We are heading to Albi. Albi, a town you know very well. We'll talk about it in a second. But what can we say about this stage tomorrow? Bunch sprint. Two words. That's it. I'll add a couple of words. No. La- <laughs> no. <laughs> I will anyway. Um, close to last chance saloon for someone like Caleb Ewan. Yes. And, you know, as I said that, I'm, I'm looking at the profile thinking, no, surely. So there's a Category 4 and 3 early on, and they actually start the stage at 900 metres almost, altitude. But then they drop down at the end to about 200. So it's predominantly downhill, but it's not completely. There's, there's lumpy hills, but I still think it will be a, a bunch sprint. And, yes, you're right. You've hit it on the head. It is a last chance for quite some time now for the likes of uh, Caleb Ewan and for the sprinters, the other sprinters who haven't won a stage. Sonny Colbrelli, guys like that, Michael Matthews, even though he's not suited to the, the pan-flat finishes, he will try and try again. Where can we see some, some action? You mentioned this, this, whole, um, this whole layout of the stage. You mentioned also it's going a little bit downhill. It, it is actually, when you look at the map, quite interesting. Could we see a breakaway anywhere or not? I think they'll certainly try. There'll be teams that will try at the start so that it'll put the sprinters' teams under pressure. And what what the sprinters' teams will hope for, they'll hope to let a group go, but they'll hope to let a group of four go, four or five. They won't won't want to let a group go like we saw um, with Impey's stage victory with, what, nearly 15 riders or, or there or thereabouts because that's too hard to control. And if you've got 15 riders, you've got multiple teams who won't chase. So the sprinters' teams will want a break to go but they'll want four or five riders from only four or five teams, want to group go there, uh, direct energy, those smaller teams, and then they can just set tempo, control it all day, and then, and then bring them back in in the last 20 kilometres. Uh, looking at Caleb Ewan, if we look at the team, Sodal Luto, they've had a pretty good start of the Tour de France. They've got a Polkadot jersey, they won a stage, it's very positive every, everywhere else. Yet again, Caleb has been at the, at the forefront, but hasn't got that win. How much pressure internally inside that team does that put onto Caleb? None. Good answer. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't think any. I think, and, and we've been at the buses, at, at uh, Sudalotto's bus, haven't we, a few times. And of I've, I've, looking at the body language, um, I, I guess just out of habit, of, of how the directors react when he comes in, you know, when he's finished second or third. And they're happy. They're all really happy. And then obviously the interviews afterwards, now they're not going to tell an Australian reporter, well, we're not happy with him, he should have won. They'll, they might say that in, in the bus, but I can genuinely say, I think they're really happy. It's his first tour, he's 24 years of age. I think on him, himself, he will want to deliver for the team because he was their number one sort of chance at the start of the tour. They said that. He, yeah, because no one wants to stay on the bench in a, in a party. He, no. he wants to go dancing with the guys. You, you don't want to be the sub, do you? The sub always wants to come on. So, he will absolutely, he'll just put the pressure on himself, but he'll do that deliberately. He'll want to win. But the team won't, and they'll, they'll, they'll help him manage that. They'll say, mate, 
stay calm, stay relaxed. We're backing you in. It's all good. And we will, you'll do this. You will get this, whether it's tomorrow, in three days' time, or the Champs-Élysées. They'll back him in all the way. So I think they've got a really good harmony. And because now they've got the stage win and the successes that you just mentioned, they're, they're really happy. Now, another point I want uh, us to talk about, Ineos. Okay, Let me just phrase this. When was the last time you covered the Tour de France where we've hardly spoke about Sky slash Ineos, that team, in the Tour de France? It's almost have been almost invisible in the results for this whole week. Is that what? What can we read in this? Because Bernal, if I if I if I insist on this, he feels that Bernal doesn't put a foot wrong. Yes, it's true. It's true. I mean, he lost. 11 seconds to Geraint Thomas on La Planche de Belfi. But other than that, he hasn't. They are still keeping him there as a backup, plan B, because if Geraint Thomas had have crashed two days ago, or he did come down, sorry, but if he had have broken his collarbone, then Bernal's their only option, point blank. So they can't afford to use Bernal yet. And they didn't that day. They were smart. They kept him in the peloton. They told him what had happened, and they said... Garrett's back on his bike immediately. So he said, I was ready to jump, go back if I had to. He said, they didn't tell me to. So, no, it's it's status quo and it's what I probably expected because they are super strategic. They are super switched on. And look, they are more switched on with that finer detail, that one percenters of any other team. And the, the difference with Ineos is every single rider, Barbunal, stopped for Geraint Thomas and Mikhail Kwiatkowski as Matt Keenan said the best mechanic in the whole race <laughs> but like I wanted this is what I wanted to say as well is that if we looked at this accident yesterday uh, that has happened in, in the stage the level of teamwork was incredible like it or not you like Sky or Inos or, or you don't I mean this was a massive display of unity and you don't see that and on the contrary and, and this will lead you into another question that we won't we'll talk about You don't see AG2R Le Mundial, the whole team dropping back. Okay, Bardet hasn't crashed or anything like that, but you just don't see it. But even just, not, not even just dropping back, the efficiency they are to get Geraint Thomas back on his bike, I mean, you, you, it's almost Formula One quality. They would have, and I, look, I said this to Tomo on the live broadcast when we first went to air because we dissected what had happened. They would have reenacted that, that scenario in training, Ineos. Guaranteed, 100%, they would have reenacted. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that scenario happens? And they would have discussed all the plans. So they knew every single rider, every the directors, sport ifs, everyone knew how to react in that situation. There was no like, okay, what do we do? Will we tell Egan to wait? They knew already. They knew already what to do, and that's how they execute the plan. So, you know, I clap my hands to Ineos in the way they act professionally. They are brilliant in that, and that is why... And I think sometimes teams miss that because they... As in, they miss what else Ineos are doing, the small things. They're saying, oh, they've got a £30 million pound budget and the rest, and of course they have, and they can buy the best riders. But you don't need to be the best rider to stop on the side of the road and push your team leader off. Yeah, absolutely. And then one, one last mention on them, but um, like I mentioned at the beginning of that chat, When we look at all the hype that was on Sky, all the hype that was around Froome and, you know, this in the leading tour this year, in media-wise, it's almost there is no hype about Ineos at all. Oh, there's a, look, there's a little bit. I've been to the bus a few times, and yes, it's there, but you're right. It's not uh, Juliana Lafilippe 
or or Thibaut Pinot, you know. And it's and not from a previous years. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, you're right. You're right. And they'll be they're loving it. And you know what? They've actually been very accommodating with interviews. And look, Garen Thomas is generally always up for an interview. He's he's really good with that. And Egan Bernal has been exceptional, I think, as a 22 year old. So. But it's not over the top, you know. There's not a swarm. You, we come up late, and I find a spot, and you know, shove my microphone in, and it's no problem. So, but the minute Ineos potentially get the lead, or Garen Thomas for that matter, it'll it will go bonkers again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we go on race day, we mentioned it yesterday, but we're mentioning it again on race day. You have a chance to ride with Robbie and Kino on Zwift. How exciting is this? This is pretty cool. You can do it in your living room, you can do it in your office, you can do it down in the garage if you want, anywhere in the world, and you get to ride with Kino and Robbie. On, they're on location in France, but they will be on Zwift. Absolutely. So for more information about this, if you're interested, or find out more on Zwift.com slash event. Maka, we have a long drive tonight. We have a long drive, but we're going to Albi. Albi, a town that you appreciate very much. Yes, it is the home of my partner of in my tour group business. Albi is also a it's got a a cathedral that has been listed on the UNESCO World Heritage list. It is a beautiful town and our resta is there too. Have you checked out the laundry yet? No, I haven't, but I've checked out the hotel and guess what? There is a pool. Pishin. You, we are in the pishin, my friend. We are going to have some fun. Bring your togs. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm sure we'll. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before you go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until the next podcast, which will be tomorrow, it's bye for now. A quick shout-out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.